0: When you get to that, that elite level, it comes down to who just wants it more. And the people that stand on the podium, the people that earn their games bid, in my eyes, they're the people that wanted it the most. I want it, like, but I'm gonna do my damn best to earn it as well. And now that I'm taking things a lot more personally than before, I'm excited, I'm, I'm fired up.
1: Hey, what's up everybody? It's John here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fueling in the Pursuit presented by UCAN. The voice you just heard was that of Fee Sagafi, a two-time CrossFit games competitor. Fee is absolutely amazing. We love chatting with her. She has so much energy to share, and we're so excited for you guys to get some of that energy from our conversation with her today. We love chatting with Fee about everything from her journey into CrossFit, how tight-knit the CrossFit community is and what being a part of this community means to her. To say this was an inspirational conversation is an understatement. Fee was courageous and kind enough to share the story behind one of the most challenging moments a professional athlete can face, training for a big competition only to have an unexpected obstacle derail your performance. She openly talks about her experience with getting sick going into the Mid-Atlantic competition just a few weeks ago and how hard it was for her to get through it and still finish seventh place. What we learned from her about this experience is that adverse situations can actually be the thing you need to activate the warrior within you and find another level of competitiveness to do more than you previously thought possible. Without a doubt, this conversation is going to get you fired up, no matter what sport you do. Before we get into this episode with V, I I do want to take a moment to introduce you, Can, and this podcast to our newest listeners. UCAN is a go-to nutrition product of choice for so many elite athletes. But even UCAN knows that true success is about so much more than how you fuel your body. It's about how you fuel your passion, your motivation, and your mindset. And that's why this podcast is going to take you inside the minds of Olympians, elite athletes, coaches, and trainers to better understand what drives them to constantly push to achieve new personal bests. We're so excited to take you guys on this journey with us. And we hope that we can give you a little more fuel as you work towards optimizing your own performances, both in sport and in life.
2: Now, on to the episode with Fee. All right. Today's guest is Fee Sagafi, a two-time CrossFit Games competitor who has consistently risen over the years to the elite ranks in her sport. Fee has come so far from where she started. What began as an effort to add accountability into her routine has grown into a career coaching others and competing at the highest level. We look forward to diving into her progression in the sport and how she's continued to improve her mental game, as well as the lessons she's learning as she overcomes adversity and new challenges on her path to the top. Fee, thank you for being here. It's so great to have you on the podcast.
0: So great to be here, you guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Yes. What's going on with you today? (laughs) Uh, I know we're catching you in the middle of your day or your...
0: So far, Saturdays are always, I would say are always pretty interesting, pretty wild. I get to coach a super energetic crew at CrossFit Mentality. I get to Uh coach super fun morning classes. I just got into a packed full house and headed over. Lots of fitness in session today. And then I'm currently sitting at Panera now. (laughs) I feel like I'm like, (laughs) Saturdays and the weekends are always like in my head. I always want them to slow down and be a little bit less crazy, but they always just seem to be the craziest days sometimes.
2: So when you're in there coaching, always
0: always energizes after coaching. I'm always energized.
2: I get the feeling you're always energized all the time. Every time I've had a chance (laughs) to interact with you, you've, you've always had a bunch of energy, but I'm curious when you're in there coaching, how many people are you working with in general? When you say you have a full house?
0: Oh my gosh. So at mentality, it's gone to the point where we'll have so many people that we've actually had to limit it to 18 per class. So it was actually 19 people per class this morning. And it was just like, just a super fun, like partner workout, gritty. During COVID, it was pretty tough. You know, we had very specific protocols placed at the gym where everyone was just kind of doing their thing. And now that, things are back to normal, I would say, at least normal life now, people are just miss the fun of just like working hard together and partnering up and just like being gritty together. And we had a little DT style conditioning medcon, So that was so fun. So anytime we get a chance to do partner workouts, we do them on the weekends. And it's just like people come in with just this new excitement, new energy, ending the week strong with your partner is always super fun.
1: I just want to say the CrossFit community already seems, you know, really, really tight. If you're in that community, you're close with other people that are working hard and, and grinding in the gym and doing those workouts. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can only imagine how heightened that is now that more people can actually come to the gym and, and get together.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would even say that ever since that transition back to life from COVID and businesses started to open up again. We actually saw an increase in members come back. I think people were just like itching to like get back and and maybe it allowed people to slow down and realize what really they needed in their life and really tackling on and owning their own health and wellness and using the gym as that opportunity to take the stress out of your day and really own your health and and wellness and kind of use the people around you to do that. We say like, it should be people's best hour of the day. And it absolutely is. And it's really cool to be able to come together. And one of my favorite things, honestly, being a coach at Mentality is that I think a lot of times people hear the name CrossFit Mentality, and obviously they link it to. Scott Panchuk and they have this assumption that it's a competitive gym. Eventually you get other people like myself. And currently we have other coaches that just so happen to be at the West Coast Classic competing. They think that, Oh, this is a competitive gym and a hundred percent is not is like I get to coach teenagers, you know, 12, 13, 14 year olds, just starting their parents are pulling them through the door and (laughs) I get to coach, you know, individuals, 15, 20 year old, 30 year old parents. And then I get to coach like dads and grandpas and people that are my parents age, or maybe it could be my parents' parents. And it's actually the most amazing thing in the world, because that's actually the majority of our members. And I get to share those journeys with them. And it's just such a cool part of my day. It completely takes sometimes the stress of training and which are long, hard days. I get to just share a different part of my day with members. And it's just so refreshing.
2: So this morning you did your training. Were you training with them or when you're in coaching mode, are you sort of watching, observing just on the side, you know, Are you actively training at the same time with them?
0: Yeah. When I'm coaching, I'm coaching. So I'm leading the class. I'm coaching people through movement, working. It's really cool in our sessions, uh, bringing people together and, and going over one workout, right? But in a class of 18, 19, 20 people, which every single individual is at a different point in their fitness. And it's cool to have that moment in class to actually work with those individuals specifically during that session. And one workout can be done 20 different ways. So I'm leading the session. I'm coaching our members, making sure they're moving well, they're moving safe. But at the end of the session, they're still walking out feeling super successful. So it's really cool to be able to see how a workout or how a session could be modified and changed in many different ways that no matter what you're starting strong, you're finishing strong, and you're always walking away challenged.
2: That's one of the things I loved about our conversation with Scott is this focus on keeping the workouts positive and productive. And just yeah. like, it's all about just incremental improvements and enjoying the, the the training together. Like, it sounds like there's a real focus on the yeah. positivity. And I, I would like to ask you this because it felt to me like he fed off of that for himself. Like th- that came back to him and improved his training mm. ha- being in that environment. Oh,
0: a thousand percent. I mean, to be honest too, like My journey as a CrossFit athlete, it started just like anyone else. You find a local gym, you find your community, you reach out to the owners, you sign up, you drop in. And that's how I started. I started with walking through the doors, not knowing a single thing about anything, the only background I really have is in volleyball, you know, high school volleyball, but just about, (laughs) I walk through the doors, just like anyone else walks through the doors. And it's to find a good, healthy community, keep yourself accountable, find a routine that you actually have like fun with and not, you're not dreading to hit the treadmill and hit the elliptical every day, which is just about what I was doing. And it wasn't working. And literally like you find a community that you really resonate with and it's healthy and really that elevates you. And that energy continues like that you feed off of that. And it turns into, oh, I'm stressed over doing a boring workout alone versus you start to create these friendships like, hey, you know, what class are you going to? Are you excited for this workout? What are you thinking? Let's partner up. And you get excited and you feed off of that. And that was me for years, at least for the first beginning years. And I started just like anyone else.
1: (laughs) Well, speaking of getting started and getting into it, you're way into being a CrossFit athlete and competing at the highest level. Let's talk a little bit about this last competition that you had and the experience that you had. Can you tell us about your last regional?
0: Yeah, the semifinal. Yeah. Yeah. So after quarterfinals, there's semifinals within the North America region. And the one that I just competed at was the uh, Mid-Atlanta CrossFit Challenge in Knoxville, Tennessee. So that was actually the first one out of all of them. And that semifinal, you know, your goal as an athlete is not only to do well and podium and win as much as you can, but that's where you get your bid to the CrossFit Games among the top five spots. So I went to Knoxville, competed hard things didn't necessarily go to plan and I finished seventh place at the end of the weekend, which actually qualified me to a last chance qualifier, which Mm. in about less than two weeks, uh, ladies that just finished outside of that ranking out of those top spots um, are going to come together for one final weekend to earn their bid back to the games. And that's where I'm at and fighting for. But I guess I experienced a lot of things at the Mid-Atlantic that I wasn't so much expecting, but it happened and I'm walking away definitely a little bit better.
2: Well, part of why it's so great to be able to catch you right now at a Panera on a Saturday <laughs> is that, um, is that we, no, the, the reality is you're in between these two really important events and the yeah. Mid-Atlantic didn't go well for very specific reasons. And I want to dive into that because as elite athletes, you have to deal with this, right? Like You're going to have okay. adversity that you can't predict. And, and then I'm really fascinated to talk with you about how you're now transitioning to get ready for the next one, right? So when you go back mm-hmm. to Mid-Atlantic, you hinted that it didn't go very well, but can you tell us a little bit about the yeah. actual situation that you faced when you got there?
0: Yeah. So leading up to the Mid-Atlantic, my training partner, also my boss, Scott Panchuk, he's we've been training together for several years now. And just leading up to the Mid-Atlantic, I was just So excited, just so much more confident in myself than in years past. And training was going, everything was just like clicking and feeling good. And I felt so ready. And sure enough, from just about one day to the next, you know, Thursday, the night before we went for our first day of the weekend, I started to feel extremely sick. Like, nauseous, throwing up sick. And Thursday night was where things started to feel very odd. I can't really put my finger on it, like why it happened, why I was feeling that way, but I've never gotten as sick as I did. And I'm calling my chiropractor, my agent, Cooper, my nutritionist, Mike Malloy from M2. Like I'm literally calling my team. Hey, this is a situation that I'm dealing with. I've never done it before. And what is now the solution to this? Like we need to figure this out because the option that we're not going to do is back down from the competition. Like we worked so hard for it. And yeah, just from one day to the next, I started to feel sick and it kind of, kind of like just progressed. I started to feel worse as the days went on. Sometimes you feel sick and I was nauseous, throwing up sick. And sometimes you throw up and you're like, ah, okay, I feel better. And like, maybe I just needed to get it out of my system. And for some reason it just got worse and worse throughout the weekend where Part of me, I I mean, I gotta be honest, like part of me was just like, How am I gonna do this if I'm I'm running on empty at this point, just about? And then the other part of me was like, No, you've done this before in some way, shape, or form. Like I've competed sick in Italy in years past. And so kind of like I had to get into that mindset of like, hey you're fine. You train for moments like these, you train for hard and this is hard. And this is what you train for. You train for the unknown, right? And whether it's the physically unknown or like exercise events, or maybe it's just obviously health, but it was that battle all weekend. And the reassurance from my team just helped tremendously, but we wrote it out and we finished, we started and we finished. And that's, that was the goal.
1: I was just going to ask really quickly. Did you guys ever find out what it was and what caused it?
0: Well, to be honest, at first I thought it was food poisoning. I'll be honest. Like I mm-hmm. thought it was, oh, I had eaten something. Maybe I didn't prepare. I, I'm i one, when I go and compete, I'm not one that's eating out at restaurants. I'm not one that's eating out to other places. Like where we are making our own meals and cooking and just keeping everything clean. And we're not changing things that we typically don't eat. And that's something that I would recommend anyone listening. If you are going to compete, last thing you ever want to do is change your routine leading up to that competition. And we figured that it wasn't food poisoning because what I was eating, everyone, like my boyfriend and my brother, they were eating those same meals. The only thing I changed, and I'll be honest here, like the only thing I changed was I decided to get vaccinated you know, weeks ago and just go through those protocols. And it's hard not to think like maybe changing that before competition and making that choice to do that before going on to the floor had something or could have had something to do with how my body might've been reacting to the stress, the high level of training, the stress of the weekend, and that all kind of accumulate. But again, it's one of those things that, I can't really pinpoint it, but if I were to give anyone advice and maybe just to myself, just like a good learning experience is to not change your routine, especially if you're close to competing, because it it was a moment that happened and it just had me thinking, was this something that I could have controlled? And maybe I I didn't make the best decision two weeks out from competition. And that probably could have affected the outcome. And that's just something that I had to learn the hard way.
1: And you know what's tough? You made the best decision based on what you knew and what you felt was right in the moment. So you can't necessarily, and nobody can, right? You can't beat Mm -hmm. yourself up about trying to make the best decision. And and logically, with everything going on, with what we're all dealing with, Mm
0: -hmm. it makes
1: sense. That wasn't a bad decision, in my opinion. You were just trying to take care of yourself and your health. That was a health-related decision. So, Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: but as far as making that decision goes... It is tough not to attribute something like what happened to it, but you, you learn from it, right? Whatever the Absolutely. decisions are, you learn from it. The thing I love about what you said, though, more than anything else, is not necessarily that decision in general. What's important about it is how you say in approaching, you know, preparing for something. If you have a routine as a former elite runner, mm-hmm. for sure we kind of become superstitious as professional athletes. So I think that yeah. that's in general, when you know, you're preparing for something and you've gone through a routine many, many times changing it at the last minute is probably one of the worst things to do, isn't it? Because th- it is. then you, you start second guessing everything that you're doing and you don't want to do that. So um, yeah, that's a tough one. So that was probably one of the things that you feel may have been an issue though.
0: Absolutely. And the funny thing is, and this is where you rely on your team to, you know, not necessarily make decisions, but like you kind of rely on hearing out the team, the people that have your best interest always. Right. And those are my closest uh, friends, my training partner, my Cairo, my uh, nutritionist, all those things. And you take into consideration the feedback and their professional opinions and what they think. And it's one of those where I didn't take enough time to weigh out maybe pros and cons of just changing a little bit before competing. And at the end of the day, we learn and it's not a pass fail situation. It's okay. This happened, how I'm going to learn from this. And honestly, I don't know if I could say part of me regrets doing it obviously, or like making maybe a decision that maybe wasn't in my best interest, who even knows, but sure kind of like a little silver lining in that weekend of it not going my way, because one of the things that I really love, like Scott and I train a lot and it's not just about training. We kind of like have time to reflect on our training, maybe things that don't go our way either. And one of the things that he said a while ago that resonated with me was like, you can't program adversity. You can't, it's, Mm -hmm. it either happens or it doesn't like, and the moments of, for example, being sick, on a an extremely important weekend for me and many other athletes the fact that i got sick and i had to learn how to get through it that's not something that, that you could plan for and when those moments happen no matter what you become strong when you make the decision to get through it you 100% every time will become stronger will become you know a grittier athlete to be able to deal with adversity in that way that is maybe causing some doubt and some scare and some fear. But the fact that you eventually get through it sets you up to be so successful in the next thing, right? When maybe things are going your way, but I'm trying to see it as that opportunity to, I I walked away at seventh place, maybe not getting my games bid, but I also walked away a stronger individual.
2: I love that. And I want to take you back, if you can, to the first event that you did in that Mid-Atlantic can you walk us through what that event was and sort of how you handled it? Because this is your first chance to test yourself now when you're really not feeling good. And I'm sure you had to be sort of negative about what your prospects were given all this stuff. And the other thing about the CrossFit is a lot of the times you kind of have to judge for yourself how much you're going to put into yeah. each event and what you're going to do and how hard you're going to push it, where you're going to start, You know, all these different, how, how you're going to pace yourself. This is where I don't remember your first event, so I need you to walk me through it. But I, it's like, how did you navigate? that that's exact decision. Like how am I going to handle this event?
0: Yeah. So the first event at the Mac was the MAC snatch. So you were on the floor, you had three 22nd windows to complete a snatch and your highest weight or your heaviest weight was your score. And if you miss within that 22nd window, you had the remaining time to get a successful lift. So that was the first event. And actually before the first event, I had probably thrown up about five times before that event. (laughs) And it, it was just like a scene. We were calling the medical team. We were calling some doctors. I was calling my entire team that was there in Knoxville with me. And we were probably like an hour and a half out from. Trying to max out our lifts, something that you need fuel for and you need the energy and you want to feel recovered and just have it all in you to go. I felt like I had nothing. And so we were with the medical team and we were making the best decisions in that moment. And I was just about slugging you can the entire time because that's the only thing I was able <laughs> to put down. Literally, just liquids and carbs and just trying to get anything into my system. You can't edge. So I was fueled by you can that session. And so going into that lift, talking about mindset a little bit, I got to be honest, I was scared. I was scared. I was, I was nervous because I know what like my body could do. When it's feeling amazing. And this was the first time in a long time that I was going into something um, where I don't know how my body's going to perform on empty, And it was kind of one of those things that I was just fighting. And I I stayed conservative on that first event. And I knew I did um, as soon as I hit my last lift, which I ended at 170, which is a lift that I hit before in training several times already. And when you're on And when you're in competition, your goal isn't to do things that you've already done. It's to test your limits that maybe you've never done before and to use the crowd and use that energy and just get out of your own head. And I didn't take that chance when I needed to because I let the situation going on behind the scenes affect me a little bit. And looking back, not considering if I was just you know a little bit braver, I would say to just risk it just take it. Because at that point I had nothing to lose. Like I really didn't. I was already not feeling the greatest, but at the same time, what do I have to lose over taking a risk? And something that I reflected on was I a hundred percent rather take the risk, go too big and go too heavy maybe and fail it, but tell myself that, Hey, I at least gave myself a chance and I would feel so much better about myself doing that than me walking away saying, hey, I hate all three lifts, but I, I don't feel good about that because I think there was more in the tank and I wasn't able to show that. And that's kind of a regret that I have is not being able to take the risk when I have nothing to lose.
1: You know, it's interesting to say that, Fee, because when I got to chat with you, um, you know, prior to the recording, one of the things that I took away from our conversation and that I thought was amazing was you have this amazing attitude of, give it everything you got, have no regrets, leave no stone unturned. You really are somebody that goes into what you do with this attitude. So to reflect and recognize that didn't happen in this competition must be giving you a lot of fuel for this next opportunity you you have coming up.
0: Oh, 100%. I was able to take away like a very specific moment through each event that I learned that by the end of the weekend, I was like, I'm hungry. Like, I'm ready for that last chance qualifier. Like, everything that happened, I want to tell myself it happened for a reason. It didn't happen just randomly, like, no purpose behind it. Everything that I experienced really good moments happened. I'm not saying that I don't have moments that I was very proud of and I I could reflect on and say that was a positive, but every single moment that Maybe it was a harder moment of the weekend. I'm able to take that away as just like fire. It's just like, I never want to not take a risk. I'm never going to like cheat myself out of that opportunity ever again. And that was my first time actually doing an event like that, to be honest. I've never um, done a competition where I had to do a max lift in the open. You kind of see that, but it's open. You're in your home, you're in your gym. But to be under the lights and in front of a crowd, and it's just like, you and yourself and you have 20 seconds to do it. Either you make it or you don't. Um, It was a first experience. And I'm like beating myself up about it a little bit that I
2: didn't take
0: it. But now it's just I learned and I take it into this last chance and I take it into everything else that is is coming my way.
2: You know what, you just you said something that that stood out to me. You said, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I feel like when you choose to learn from it, you create Mm -hmm. the reason right? And you define what that reason is. And that reason can make you better or it can not make you better. And it really is a choice. And I love the fact that you said for each event, you came away with something. I feel like that is something that was always told to me when I was racing is that at the end of every race, figure out something that you can take from it to make you better for the next one, right? And I think I'm so excited for you for this last chance qualifier, because I can tell in your voice that (laughs) you are not happy about how that qualifier went and you're ready to go Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about maybe your mindset right now going into it how are you feeling in terms of your fitness your preparation your readiness for this next uh, competition
0: yeah so in two weeks last chance qualifier it's it's going to be again kind of like a weekend of uh set events that they lay out and we'll be performing these events through a three-day period and i'm just my goal by that time and maybe just by the end of the season, I want to be able to say there's nothing more I could have done. I'm walking away at this point. Scott's like, if there's, I don't think there's a harder working individual than Scott, because there's like, I'm walking away every single day being like, I don't think I could have done more. And he's always like finding like an extra thing to do where... He'll be like, okay, we're done for the day. And he'll sometimes like text me like, oh, and I also did this. Like, and I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, there's nothing more that I could do sometimes, but he kind of pushes that in me. So me preparing, and I, I feel very, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm confident. Like, I'm just, there's nothing that I'm, I can't do. It's all in me. It's in my flesh. It's in my training. It's in my body. And the only thing I could control by that weekend is my mind and my mindset and my confidence because the training is there. The physical capacity is there. I've proven that before and it's just go time here in two weeks. So if I could walk away and say, there's nothing more I couldn't do, there's nothing more. There's no missed sessions then I should be where I'm at the end of the season, no matter what that looks like.
1: I'm so curious because this is kind of like a second chance, you know? Yeah. And I'm just curious, was there any part of you that feels like maybe you, you, to some extent, compared to what you're preparing to do now and how you're going into it, like hungry as heck, do you feel you're as hungry before that last competition, before you got sick going into it as you are going into this competition? Or do you feel like you're actually hungrier, more focused, even though in many ways, that's kind of like, you're not thinking, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to get another shot at this. You're putting everything into that one. And that's why it was so stressful when you got sick. But how do you compare to as far as like going into each? Do you feel like you're hungrier right now than before?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think I wasn't any less excited before Mac. Like before Mac leading up to it, I was ready to go. I was fired up. There were, yes, you always get little butterflies, but it's good butterflies. It wasn't the nerves of, oh, I'm nervous to do bad on an event. Each one, I was just like, I'm ready for this. I prepared for this. I'm ready to show what I got. I'm ready to show off the training. And that was exciting. And I think what I'm taking into the last qualifier now that I wasn't taking into the map was I'm taking things a little bit more personal now. <laughs> like, like, ah, the bid was, yeah. I'm taking things way more personal. Like Scott calls it taking someone's lunch money. And I feel like my lunch <laughs> money was taken away from me.
2: I love that. Some
0: big girl that thinks she's better than me stole my lunch money and now I'm chasing <laughs> it down. But I feel like something was taken and I want it back. <laughs> and that's it, my mindset. It cracks me up just because yeah. I've never I've never been an aggressive person or a competitor, but I just want to beat as many people as I can. And I want my lunch money back. <laughs> so it, I'm a little well, bit angrier going into this one.
1: Well, I heard this great saying. I've been watching a lot of the National Basketball Association, the NBA playoffs, right now, and they're getting cl- close to the end uh, of the postseason. And there's this great phrase that I heard: "The series doesn't start till you're faced with elimination." Mm. And and I, and I, I never oh, I thought about that. It like that. I'm like, they got it's it's a seven game series, you know, and they're like, yeah. this this not the first couple games don't really matter. You don't feel as uh, the, the guys seem to don't feel as engaged
0: mm-hmm. until they're like,
1: oh, wait, what? We're, we're about to have to go home. And so, yeah, like I this think is our when...
0: last chance. Like, we can't mess up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so,
1: with that being said, I think something you probably were just as hungry going into the last mm-hmm. competition as you are this one. But yeah. there was probably something that was not turned on in you that's turned on now. And it takes mm-hmm. that adversity. Or An adverse moment to actually activate that thing. And now that it's turned on mm-hmm.
0: and you're aware of
1: it, watch <laughs> that's out. Right.
0: That's right? right. So
1: I think and that's what's going on right now is that it was activated absolutely. in you. And now we're going to really see what you can do.
0: Absolutely. And that's right? one of those things in the sport and in just any sport, whether, you know, as a runner, swimmer, whatever sport you're in, until you start to take things personally you start to unlock gears that you've just never got to unlock before because now it's in your heart it affects your soul a little bit and when things (laughs) get tough and when things are hard it's easy to you could always there's always that choice of quitting is always like it's there right and you have that choice when things are tough when everyone else is hurting Everyone wants that CrossFit Games bid. Everyone wants to stand on that podium. At the end, when everyone is feeling the same, who's the one that's going to just want to hurt a little bit more and want to be the grittiest? And it has nothing to do with talent. Who's the most talented? It has nothing to do with that. And when you get to that, that elite level, it comes down to who just wants it more. And the people that stand on the podium, the people that earn their Games bid, in my eyes, they're the people that wanted it the most. And yeah. I, I want it, like, but I'm going to do my damn best to earn it as well. And now that I'm taking things a lot more personally than before, uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm fired up. <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm excited too. So you mentioned in the beginning a while back about how you got started in CrossFit and you got started just like yeah. anybody else. And to be honest, that's something I wanted to ask you about. Hearing you talk right now, you sound like every other elite athlete that I get the pleasure to speak with about, you know, how you think about, uh, I love the lunch money thing. I've never heard anybody say that specifically, but I feel like it's a great, um, universal way to sort of explain the fact that somebody has something that you feel you've earned, right. That, that it's, it was, mm-hmm. it was yours and, and you lost it. It was taken away from you. I love it. Yeah. I want to know, I, I want to take you back a little bit. Cause you started going down this path, telling us how you got into CrossFit is just another person who didn't have a lot of background in here. And I'm hoping you can compare for me a little bit you today with how you thought about yourself as an athlete when you got started.
0: Yeah. So when I started for the people listening and know that you don't have to have an amazing background, an elite background, some amazing coaching prior to start CrossFit, first of all, to become competitive. And to be a great athlete that really CrossFit is not a sport where you have to come from something to become something great. And I started as a 19 year old, I walked into the gym, actually at the time I was with a guy at the time and he introduced me to like, Hey, have you heard of this CrossFit thing? He showed me some videos and I was like, Oh, this actually looks fun. Like it's the first time I ever saw exercise as fun versus just a chore. And sure enough, I went from just watching some videos on YouTube and doing at Lifetime Fitness close to my house to then being so interested where I was like, I actually want to find a community and be part of this and be coached by this and do it in a way that's keeping me healthy, but also keeping me accountable. And at 19 years old, I was a freshman at John Carroll university. I didn't have the best eating habits and lifestyle habits. And I was just not feeling good about myself. I was just not in a good place. I didn't feel worthy in so many different ways and it's just not good. And I just needed good people around me. And that's really why I started CrossFit. I honestly, I needed that and I needed a good environment. And so eventually I walked into my first gym at Crooked River CrossFit here in Ohio, here in Cleveland. And about a year in, I started to realize, hey, not only do I have a lot of fun doing this, but I started to know about the CrossFit Open and regionals and wow, I started to see these amazing women on TV. I remember watching athletes, that I get to compete against, I get to throw down with amazing athletes. I would watch them on TV and be like, oh my God, they are just so strong and so capable. And I want to be that woman. I want to be that. And it was more so to prove to myself that I can't because why not? And I do come from sport, but high school sports and recreational sports. I never had that moment when I was younger to really see what I'm capable of. So I went from using CrossFit as a health lifestyle, hold me accountable during college and just be around good people to pursuing it. I want to, as competitive, I just want to prove to myself that I can do great things. And from that on, you hear Scott Pancheck opening up CrossFit Mentality. I'm like, yep, I'm going over there. And I kind of checked it out. I dropped in. I checked out the community and I just fell in love with everyone there. Honestly, it just felt so welcoming. And from then on, I remember eventually going to Scott and just saying like, A scary goal was like I I want to be competitive eventually. I never said I want to make it to the CrossFit Games, but I told him that I was like serious about it. And he started kind of taking me under his wing. And the first thing that he had me do was what everyone else does, and it's take classes, come in consistently, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? Put in the work consistently, and then we build. Little by little, we started to build. And then as soon as he saw me progress in classes, he would give me just a little bit more, you know, extra credit. There's this extra piece of whether it's extra conditioning, extra weightlifting, I would do the extra credit, build, build, build. We started to set small goals. Local competitions became a goal. So now not only am I training, but now I get to put the test to this training, local competition, from local competition, the open, from open to team, let's qualify a team, and then eventually qualify a team in 2017, and then after that, I was like, okay, now I want to work towards individual, so it just ended up being like this journey, this very long journey of just setting small intentional goals and making small steps and, and progressions along the way to eventually, I've gotten to qualify for the CrossFit Games twice to this point. And now I get to continue on this amazing journey. But it all started from zero. It started on a clean slate and anyone could do it. It's not meant for everyone. Not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone's going to like the idea of how long it takes you to be successful in a sport like this, but everyone can do it.
2: I wanted to ask you, how long has it been when you got really competitive, when you considered yourself mentally a competitive CrossFit mm-hmm. athlete, and you're actually, you know, you are competitive in the competitions. How many years was it of building up to that point?
0: Yeah, I would say, so I guess a competitive CrossFit athlete, I would consider myself in 2018 was actually like my first year where I really like dialed things in. Cause that was my first year that I went to my first individual regionals, I qualified as an individual at regionals at the time was in Nashville, Tennessee, and that was my first year that I really like really dialed things in um, the best of my ability at the time. But before it was like team training, I wasn't as consistent, but I was good enough to qualify. 2018, I was still in school at the time, so some days were missed, um, some sessions were missed. You know, my sleeping schedule wasn't the best, my nutrition wasn't the greatest. There were still a lot of missing pieces to that puzzle. But by 2018, I considered myself as uh, definitely a lot more competitive and a lot more dialed into not just the trading side of the sport, but the lifestyle of the sport, sleeping recovering, um, all of the things that happen outside of those gym walls.
2: So real quick, what year did you start CrossFit?
0: So I started at 19 years old. I believe that was like back in 2014.
2: Okay. So it was about four years of progression, just steady building, getting more into it, getting more serious. Now, this is where you mentioned the things that you started to dial in in 2018. Can you walk us through some of the changes you made to be more intentional and really take your training to a competitive, like next level?
0: Yeah. So to be more intentional. And a lot of times people think that it's just like, you just have to build volume to be a competitive athlete. You just have to do more conditioning or do more workouts. And it wasn't that at all. I wasn't doing anything I'm doing now in 2018, when I was individual uh, as a rookie at the regional level, it was just more about how can I make this session the most intentional and the best session. I wasn't training, you know, four or five hours a day. I was probably still training just around like two. But my focus was more on intensity, quality, and focusing in on the things that i Pretty much don't enjoy, which is like running, conditioning. Uh, hey. now I love body weight. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, not to like running. I'm still kind of finding the love for running. Actually, it's funny, the more I hurt in running intervals, the more confidence I, I build in running. So right. it's doing me some good there. But uh, yeah, so I started to just really focus in on. How well can I make the two hours that I have and how efficient Mm. can I be with my time and keeping that integrity, the entire session and not focusing on quantity of training, quantity of volume. Um, and that's, that was a huge game changer to start and you got to start small though. It can't be everything. You can't bite off too much too soon.
2: I'm sorry, John. I was just going to say what was next, because I'm curious, just like what your progression was. I figured you started on quality at a couple two hours a day and quality, Mm -hmm. right? And then if you can walk us through what were the, maybe they're not even, maybe they blur, but if they're sort of dis, distinct, can you walk us through, you know, yep. a couple more of the key things that you did to, to sort of, yeah, once you got quality nailed down, like what's the next thing?
0: Yep. So the next thing, so once you get quality, integrity, and intention in shorter, smaller sessions, you got to focus on your nutrition. I mean, nutrition is like number one. So until I actually really prioritize not just nutrition as this general term, but actually knowing and understanding what does my body need to perform its best to recover its best and to be its best and staying hydrated and staying fueled. I started to dabble into just using my fitness pal to track my meals because I would do this thing where I would go six hours without eating because I'm doing one thing and then I'm doing the next and then maybe I mindlessly snack and then I'm trying to eat like super late at night and it just wasn't working. It doesn't work for a lot of people that way either, but just dialing in your nutrition. So by around 2018, 29, like within that year, I really made nutrition a huge priority and your nutrition affects everything that you do. You're actually limited in your training by how you feel um, and how you sleep and how you recover. So all those things needed to be at the top of the list. It's almost like sleep, nutrition, training, And then everything else kind of falls. But if you're trying to fit in and you're trying to become this great athlete without sleeping well and fueling the right way appropriate to you, then you are just missing a huge gap, a huge hole in your training, and you're not really reaching your potential to where you can go physically. So after that, if I were to do it all again, I would understand my nutrition first how to fuel, how to hydrate, how to stay fueled appropriately for me. And that's when you reach out to the people that know more than you too, to be honest. I'm not a nutritionist. I have a good sense of what nutrition is best for me, but that's me working with a nutritionist. I work with, you know, Mike Maloya, at M2 Performance. And when you kind of give that, uh, or at least allow yourself to learn from the people that know more than you, they're going to have your best interest and you're going to progress in, in really great ways. And then after that, Nutrition, sleep, and all that, all those great things. Then it came to like let's add some more conditioning sessions. So conditioning mm. is king is like our thing. And if your conditioning can improve, not like conditioning with CrossFit, where a lot of times people go, oh yeah, I did a running workout, but it was running and power cleans and handstand pushups. No, you just did CrossFit. You didn't do a running <laughs> workout, uh, right. right? So it's like I started to add an extra conditioning session every week just a little bit, just not every single day. It was just extra running intervals, extra rowing intervals, extra biking. I started to make that uh, pretty intentional and pretty consistent. And once I started doing that, my engine started to build, my capacity started to build. I was able to sustain paces longer. I was able to take on more volume because of those added conditioning pieces. And then from there it went to, okay, now we start to add some intentional accessory pieces, supplementation to what we're doing, the big compound movements that we're doing. We move fast, we move heavy, we move at different um, paces and loads. And what can I add to now keep my body and my joints and my system healthy and strong to recover uh, well, to sustain this hard, you know, days of training. So it's just very little by little. And you start to realize that it, it's very little details that actually add up to that big picture. And that makes the biggest difference.
1: I have only one more thing that I'm curious about adding to these phases that you went through as you progressed mm-hmm. and improved uh, to where you are now. The one thing that I th- think about a lot, and I bring this up with young athletes or anybody really we're talking about trying to achieve great things or really get the most out of yourself. What, what was the why for you what was that thing that was fueling the purpose for you because i think it's hard to k- keep doing all that stuff and and to be diligent to be consistent without something that's reminding you of okay why am i doing all this why do i want to keep doing it what was your big why for you
0: Yeah, that's such a great question. And it's something that I keep going back to pretty often because every session you're hurting and you're like, why am I doing this? Like, why do I want to hurt so bad? (laughs) It's more, it's honestly, I'm sure you guys could relate to this so often. And it's honestly, it's more than just making it, it's more than just saying, like, I'm a games athlete or I. I got on the podium because those are moments that just go, they come and they go, you work so hard for a 15 second moment. You think about it, you work so hard to be able to go to the CrossFit games and you're there for a couple days. And then you go back and you do it again for 360 days. Like it's crazy. And there has to be a bigger purpose. And, and my purpose in all of this is that if I'm going to be remembered by the end of my life, whenever that is, I want to be remembered as a woman that just worked so hard for what she wanted and she earned everything that she got. And I never got that chance when I was younger to really thrive in sport and pursue the sport that I was passionate about. Volleyball was, was the sport that I was passionate about, but in my background and my family, my dad was very geared towards music and, and orchestra and music theory lessons. And it took me away from the things that I really love. So in a way I'm, this is my moment where I get to prove to myself what I'm capable of, not for just me, but maybe for the family around me, the women around me, my sisters. I'm able to prove that you could achieve so much if you just work so hard. And that's what I want to be remembered by. I want to be remembered by my work ethic and my passion and able to use, I guess, what I love and be able to share those journeys with other people. And I get to do that already. There's a teenage girl at our gym that qualified for the CrossFit Games in her division. And I see myself in her in so many ways. And not only am I going through this journey, but I get to share that with her and I get to pull her along for the ride. And there's so much more value in that than saying, I went to the CrossFit Games, I podiumed, I earned a paycheck and there's no value for me in that. There's value in sharing that journey, proving to yourself uh, that you can in so many different ways, sharing the adversity, using your story to help other people. That's a huge purpose for me.
1: I love it. That's great. No, I mean, you need something like that. You need more than just wanting to achieve because when it gets hard, it's the community, it's your athletes, it's your biggest supporters, those who don't want you to quit when it gets hard, uh, that believe in you and want to see you fulfill your potential. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fuel that can get you through
2: some really tough time. You know?
0: Absolutely. I agree. You nailed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Fee, I have to be honest. I'm really kind of fired up right now. It's really late where I am. I don't know if I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> I really <laughs> love hearing how you speak about your why and what you're doing and everything you said about training and the steps you went through and stuff. It just resonates with me. I think so many people need to hear it because it's simple. It's not easy, but you can keep it simple, but you're going to have to commit to that hard work and embrace that hard work as part of who you are and, and who you want to be remembered as if you're going to achieve what you're going after. And so we're coming to a close here. And I wanted to ask you, where can people follow you? Where can people... Well, actually, I want to ask first, are, do you have anything else you want to call out that you're coming on? I know you have the last chance qualifier. So uh, yeah. maybe you can tell us about where we can follow that And then anything else you want to call out that you're working on or you're, you're involved with that you'd like everybody to know about?
0: Yeah. So I post a lot on my Instagram feed.sagafi on Instagram. I kind of love using that as a way to, again, share my journey and relate to people and chat with people. They message me. Like I love being uh, very social on there. So on Instagram, but also come to Craftsman Mentality if you're ever in the Cleveland area. Seriously, I love coaching. Honestly, it's people, hopefully people's best hour of the day is them coming in and working out and working hard. But I could say that one of my best hours of the day is coaching individuals and working with others. And it's just something that I've, Continue to love more and more every single year at Mentality. But yeah, last year's qualifier, it's not going to be a live event. So what you guys can do, go to games.crossfit.com. And by that weekend, again, July 2nd to the 4th, by the end of the day, from what I understand is you'll be able to see where everyone's at on the leaderboard. There's going to be women competing around the world again. So that's why it's not going to be a live event as well. But you'll be able to see like videos and scores and just check in to see where that leaderboard stands. So hopefully by the end of the weekend on Sunday we get to see where everyone lands on that last chance qualifier.
2: Go get that lunch money fee. Go get it back. I love it. Okay. All right. It's
0: a lot of lunch money. They took a lot.
2: <laughs> they took a lot. Yeah. There you all right. go. Thank you so much for joining us, V. It's really been a pleasure <laughs> to speak with you, and I can't wait for everybody to get to hear our conversation. Thank you again.
0: Thank you guys, Thank I you, appreciate Fee. it.
2: <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Fueling the Pursuit
1: presented by UCAN. For athletes and active people, controlling blood sugar is the key to optimizing focus, performance, and recovery. Thankfully, UCAN has developed a patented ingredient to deliver long-lasting energy while stabilizing blood sugar levels. So to properly fuel your pursuit, both with the right nutrition and with the right food for thought, make sure to visit UCAN.co forward slash podcast to subscribe to our podcast, to see our current lineup of upcoming guests, and of course, to learn more about UCAN's amazing products. And please continue to listen to our bonus conversation with Fee about how she uses UCAN to optimize her training and competition results.
2: Fee. Can you tell us how have you can products helped you to achieve your potential in your training or in competition?
0: Yeah. So I've been taking Ucan just about for the last year, actually, when Scott, my training partner to me first. And it's funny because he was trying to get me on it for the longest time. And I was just like, no, I'm not going to change what I already put in my body. And sure enough, we're going through training. And as, as I continue to see him use Ucan and supplement with good energy, he was, by the end of the night or end of our second session, it seemed like he still had the same energy as when we first, like, what is happening? Like, I cannot keep up with him. Like, and it was kind of that moment where I told him I need to get on whatever you are on. And sure enough, I started to get on Ucan. Uh, take the carbohydrate, the starch carbohydrates. And at first, I got to say, I was a little skeptical because I was kind of telling myself, what can I, what can't I get from can, that I could probably get from fruit already or like juice or just other simpler carbs? And I instantly got upset with myself because I feel like I was, I just unlocked a gear that I never had. And it was the gear of being able to maintain intensity through a very long day of training and when you're able to keep intensity in your sessions you're just gaining just a little bit more on your competitors every time versus you know you're you don't have that gas and that fuel to kick it up a notch and that's where you get better too like that's where if you're able to give intensity in every single session by game time and go time you're able to tap into those turbo buttons just like you know you can and Um, no pun intended, (laughs) (laughs) but But, yeah, I unlocked a gear and I use it all day. (laughs) Like when I say I rely on you can to, you know, get me through my long days, long sessions when I'm not eating, you know, my meals and obviously I eat, you know, good quality, high quality meals. But in between those sessions where you hit a conditioning piece and you only have like maybe we're resting 15, 20 minutes, I'm not going to go eat a bag of mangoes like to try to get me ready and fueled for the next thing. So it just provides me with that energy and sustained energy, which is the the huge difference between you can and any other supplements that I've tried. This is long lasting energy versus, you know, a quick boost. And then you kind of dip down and you drop off and, you know, your blood levels spike um, so Ucan's been such a staple, and it was probably my lifesaver at Mac, <laughs> just about. So at Mac, I couldn't put anything down. When I say I couldn't eat anything, I was not. I didn't have. I didn't have my first meal until Sunday. <laughs> like I literally did not Whoa. eat solid foods or put down foods and it stayed down until Sunday night. And so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was on liquids, just about anything, any solid that I ate, I eventually threw it up. Um, but the only thing that was keeping me fueled was you can was that cran raz and that energy and the uh, edge fuel. And that if I didn't have that, I, I can't even think of I probably wouldn't even have gotten the last chance to try to qualify for the games. I mean, that's, that is what sustained me. And honestly, thank you to UCAN. I was actually able to come out of that alive, (laughs) right? (laughs) At least with one more chance. So it's, I mean, it's a game changer, really.
2: I know from speaking with Scott, how he mentioned, he's systematic about he has a bar in between these sessions and he has a little bit of energy has a little bit of hydrate he has this different stuff and it makes sense you guys train so much in the same way that maybe triathletes do where it's it's like six hours of training with Mm -hmm. with some breaks in between and and you need a product that's going to get you through that in a way that is sustainable and easy to take in as well it can't it can't be something that you have to go prepare and you don't maybe have time to do that it fills all those gaps that need to be filled in the best way possible
0: Absolutely. And the great thing that I love about you can too, this this starch carbohydrate, the sustained energy, it's not just for athletes, though. It's, it's for the busy moms that are on their feet all day running around, being with their kids, going to work, dropping off, cooking dinner, trying to squeeze in like a 30-minute workout. It's for those parents. And it's all of those things also add and require a lot of energy from you stress from you. And so that's where you can could play a huge part in not just, you know, elite athletes' lives, but in anyone's lives. Anyone and everyone needs good quality fuel and sustainable energy. And it's crazy. I see moms and dads at the gym and all they have is one hour to themselves. And sometimes they don't have, you know, to eat a meal and wait another hour and a half to digest a meal and then go work out. So I found myself even being able to give UCAN out to our members, the members that are running low on fuel. They just came out of, you know, an eight-hour workday. They haven't eaten in four hours. Like, what do you do? Like, yes, uh, we always suggest and we always push eating whole meals and good quality fuel. But when you don't have that easy access, you're able to use UCAN and that's that's your good quality fuel right there. And you're going to get so much out of that versus just burning it down, maybe going into a workout after not eating. And now you're more stressed, feeling worse than what you came in and you're not recovering well. So it's really for anyone.
2: For somebody who Perfect. might be yeah, that's amazing. a little it's like true. reserved or hesitant mm-hmm. to get started, do you have any advice on, on how they should go about introducing it into their training routine?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if, if I were to recommend this for anyone just slowly, I would say... Try to incorporate it as, you know, within the window or before you work out maybe an hour to 30 minutes before you go and you hit a session, you know, have a little bit of you can in your water, or I sometimes like to put it in like my breakfast. So if I'm kind of short on time, usually Saturdays are days that are very busy for me and pick up and I'm not necessarily waking up at five in the morning to get to my 8am class. Sometimes I'm like waking up at six and trying to get everything out the door in an hour. So I don't always have time to take my time, make my huge breakfast that I usually enjoy. So I throw it in my smoothie and it's the easiest thing and it tastes so good and it's quick it's accessible, I get to drink it on the way to the gym. So that would kind of be my first suggestion for anyone make it as easy as possible, you could throw it in your, you know, shaker bottle, shake it up and um, slug it before your. it's light, it's not it doesn't sit in your system heavy, your body starting to start to digest it pretty quickly, obviously, because it's, it's liquids there. And actually, through your session, I would also suggest to people try to sip on it through your session, you're not just hydrating with water, you're now hydrating and fueling with consistent carbohydrates while you're working hard, whether it's interval running, training, swimming, conditioning, and CrossFit in between lifts. So not just before your session, but even throughout your session, you'll feel amazing.
2: The last question is really simple. It's just, do you have a favorite product?
0: Oh, yes. So I love the cookies and cream energy. It has some protein and carbohydrates. The cookies and cream is like mm, delicioso. It is so good. I put it in all my smoothies. And it's actually not just smoothies. It tastes so good in just water. And it just hands down my all time favorite um, when it comes to the uh, protein and carbs. And then edge, edge, it's like goo almost if For runners, marathon runners, a lot of marathon endurance uh, athletes use that. And it's it's more dense carbohydrates, but it's quick fuel. You're able to just kind of slug it a little bit. You don't need to pour it into, you know, eight ounces of liquid and it takes you a while to drink it. It's quick fuel. It's kind of my go-to when I'm in between sessions, when I have 10, 15 minutes before getting into a, a little finisher piece. Scott and I are just slugging Edge, and it's it's amazing. So Edge, and try out that cookies and cream; <laughs> you won't regret All it. All right,
2: <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Fee. I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, it's such a great time talking with you.
0: Thanks, you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for having me.
2: You got it, Fee. Thank you.